the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And if you think about how we go about eating is how we go about other things in our life. So if we are neglecting nourishment for ourselves, or we're not really paying attention to how we're eating, then we're not paying attention to other things. It could be relationships, career, finances, something else is missing, and they're all interconnected. So not, you know, we get so fixated sometimes on on food and what that does for our bodies. And it's really the fixation of our body that we're fixated on. But it's, it is the connection between how we treat ourselves with food is how we're treating many things in our life. Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Culture Changers, the podcast that brings you unconventional wisdom by uncommon people. Together, we are shattering old paradigms to reshape our world and inviting you to make your own mark. 45 million Americans go on a diet each year, and Americans spend $33 billion each year on weight loss products. Yet nearly two-thirds of Americans are obese or overweight. What is the problem here? With so many fad diets and surefire ways to lose weight and keep it off, why is this the one area that we can't get a hold of? In fact, 43% of Americans vow to exercise more and 37% vow to eat more healthy for their New Year's resolutions. Add in a global pandemic and stress and you've got a recipe for a lack of discipline spiraling out of control. I know this personally because I am on a pure diet of dark chocolate and fruit by the foot. If you've seen any of my social media <laughs> updates, you'll see that supply chain has had them in big demand. So obviously there is a disconnect here. And what I've learned is that in order to solve a problem like that, you have to get to the root of this. And it has nothing to do with discipline or even social media telling us how we should look or act. So I invited Maureen Watley to the podcast to discuss the psychology of emotional eating. Maureen and I actually met pre-pandemic, but this is so timely. Maureen is one of my closest and dearest friends and is an intense learner of life. With deep expertise as a business and life coach, Maureen holds several credentials. I need you to hold on to your hat when you hear this. She's a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, Integrative Health Coach with training in emotional eating psychology, which is why I needed to have her on the podcast pronto. Trained in acceptance and commitment therapy, mindfulness, positive psychology coaching, and so much more. I'm exhausted, and I've known her for about 15 years, and she has always had this deep curiosity and need to, to learn more. Maureen helps people to get unstuck in careers, marriages, and health. Maureen's company, Full Life Coaching, has a mission for flourishing people and workplaces. Maureen is also a breast cancer warrior and has been on her own health journey to heal her mind and body. So you are in for such a treat. And before we talk to Maureen, I'm hoping you'll do me a solid and think about three people you know that struggle with their own relationships to food. And please share this episode with them right now. It will help. And while you're sharing, I hope you let me know what stood out to you from this episode on my socials. Your feedback really helps me shape future shows 
and continue to make them better with your input. I also invite you to subscribe to my blog, Sticky Notes, at allisonhair.com. And now to my chat with Maureen. We are here with, I'm so excited about this. We are here with Maureen Watley. And Maureen and I have gone back for probably 15 years. Probably longer. Probably longer. That ages us though. Maybe for you, but I feel like I'm going backwards. <laughs> but, but we've been through a ton together. And Maureen is one of those people that, you know, people think that I take on a lot, but Maureen puts me to shame on any given day. And Maureen, can you... First of all, welcome. Thank you so much for oh, thank you. for being here. And and the topic that I'm so excited about, and I always say that this podcast is, is like just a really long therapy session for myself and things that I'm interested and curious about. And our topic today is on food psychology. And you have a zillion certifications. You've been in career development for a long, long time in the HR field, but Please, can you give us a little bit of your background and some of the many, many certifications that you have? Yes. Well, I don't know if we have all that time, but I'll hit on the <laughs> highlights of the things. That's I, why I let you do it. <laughs> I'm, a, I am, I'm definitely a learner of life. I like to choose certifications that help me not just better myself, but help me help others. So some of the certifications that I really like is the emotional eating psychology mm. program that I just did, but also uh, I did the integrative nutrition health coaching certification, but I'm also certified in lots of different things like strengths-based coaching, because I think that we focus on what's really great about people that's more interesting than all the weaknesses that we have. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of things that I, that I have uh, certifications in, but those are the ones I love I really love. So tell me why why the the emotional eating and food psychology one? What what prompted you about that? You know, I ask myself that all the time <laughs> because I didn't I, I'm like, you know, do I have an eating problem? No, I don't. I really don't have an eating problem. So it wasn't it wasn't that. I think it was that there is something that goes very deep around the behavior of eating. And, you know, we have to eat. Our bodies want us to eat. Uh, you know, we we have to do it for nourishment, but we rarely eat for nourishment. Mm -hmm. We're always eating for something else. Do you think that is a primarily American or Western thing, or do you think that's global? I think it's human nature. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that there are things that trigger food for us. And if you really want to heal your body, if you really want to live your healthiest self, Sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper and 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 look at why we why do we do the things that we do? Why eat the way we eat? Why why why? <laughs> I'm I'm like starting to feel myself sweat at this point because I have struggled for so many years with this very thing that I know that I eat when I'm bored and I know that I have struggled with borderline body dysmorphia and potentially an eating disorder of just being so insanely obsessed over my weight and what I eat and what I put into my body to the point where I felt like I I was going over the edge of crazy. And one thing that, so you and I were in North Carolina on a retreat and we went and got our nails done and you were telling me about the emotional eating and you said something that stop me dead in my tracks. And you said the way people feel about food is the way people feel about life. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, it goes with that. I don't know who said this 
statement, but there's a great statement that is, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And if you think about how we go about eating is how we go about other things in our life. So if we are neglecting nourishment for ourselves, or we're not really paying attention to how we're eating, then we're not paying attention to other things. It could be relationships, career, finances, something else is missing, and they're all interconnected. So not, you know, we get so fixated sometimes on on food and what that does for our bodies. And it's really the fixation of our body that we're fixated on. But it's, it is the connection between how we treat ourselves with food is how we're treating many things in our life. So unpack that a little bit. Give me an example of how that could manifest or how that could present itself in life. Yeah, so I've been career coaching for a long time. So this is probably what led me to the the health and wellness and stress management for people. But when people look at their careers, sometimes they're just really unhappy and they're very unsatisfied and they're not finding, you know, their passion in what they do. And so the question is, well, how does this correlate to how you're, what's happening in your eating? If you're stressed in one thing, is this stress causing you to eat a certain way? Or are you finding that you're not satisfied with how you're eating, just like you're not satisfied with your career? They're very interconnected. So it's almost like you have to heal both. You have so to heal the career start? side. And the, how do you start that? Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it really is the process of pulling back for people and really looking at why. You know, why, why do this? Why is this happening? And there is something called a circle of life. So taking a look at that full life to say, you know, how are you spiritually? How are you with your family? How are you with love matters? How are you with finances? How are you with your career? Are they all the same? Do you find that there is some kind of current or a through line to all of those that go back to eating? I think where there are people who are severely depressed or depressed often, they have multiple layers of things they're unhappy with. And therefore, there's also an emotional eating component that's very there for them. And, you know, so I think I think for some, it's multiple layers. And some for some people, it could be just one thing. Maybe they're so unhappy with their spouse and their marriage that it's impacting not just their relationships, their relationships at home, but it's impacting their emotional eating state. So you had talked about somebody you had talked to and they said, I just don't care about food. I don't care about food. And then you ask them, well, how do you feel about sex? And they're like, oh shit. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because what the way you treat one thing is how you treat other things. So the fact that the person I was coaching uh, was saying, didn't have time for it, didn't care to eat, mm. didn't have time to eat, thought it was just a real pain to have to stop and cook something and would rather just eat on the go, was eating in the car, was eating you know, on the fly and really just found eating a nuisance. That's what was That's said. That's how I feel that eating is a total nuisance. Yeah. And so why, why is that? And so it was digging into... Well, what was going on were those feelings and emotions were showing up in other things. Like that nuisance for this person I was coaching was really around the fact that there was no relationship. There was no dating, no marriage, no Mm. children. And then those things were connected. It's like, well, what are you doing to find that nourishment in that relationship? Just like you should be finding the nourishment in the food. That is insane to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm trying to figure your out. Your mind is blown. It, I can see it, it in your really eyes. It really is because I'm I'm thinking about like I I personally feel like food is a nuisance uh, only because I don't really enjoy cooking and you know I'm one of those eat to live. And my husband is a total foodie. He loves to eat. He loves to savor his meals. And I'm like, let's get this bullshit over with and get on with life, you know? And I wonder, is is there something more to that of the eat to live versus live to eat? I think everybody's different. Yeah. You know, everybody's very different in their perspective around. So So you're hitting on something really interesting here as well, which is what is our mindset about food to begin with? Where am I? What's my starting point here? So, in some cases, it could be cultural. You know, I'm Asian. I love spicy food, and that has a huge impact and influence on what I eat, when I eat, how I eat it, why I eat it. I'm not talking about. I'm not even talking about the type of food. I'm talking about all those other elements around mm-hmm. what what I'm doing around eating, and culture has a big part of that. So, the mindset around I'm eating just to get it over with. You know, where does that come from? Yeah. And how does that show up in other areas of life? What else are you getting through that you find a nuisance? Is it paying your bills? Is it taking a class? Is it the job you're in Mm. currently? I'm just getting through it. I've thought about, since we talked about that, it was like back in November, I thought about it and I can see a through line in certain areas of my life. And I wonder, as people are listening to this and thinking about their own idea of food are there and generally i imagine that people who are listening to this are are probably more than normal curious about food and emotional eating what can we do with that information mhm so that's a really good question that possibility yeah so you know what what is so interesting is is that what we're talking about this emotional side of eating has a lot to do with what we what we call in health coaching call a relationship with food. And when I first heard that, I thought that was a really corny thing. <laughs> it was a relationship with food. Like that's so weird. But when you read what a relationship it is, it's just a connection too. It can be two things having a connection to it. It could be two people having a connection. So it's really thinking about what is my connection to food and is that connection healthy? Do I have a healthy mindset around it? Do I have a good understanding about why, you know, I have certain rules around this relationship? Because everything has rules. You know, you have rules in marriage. You have rules with your Mm -hmm. kids. So when you think about food, it's really getting into why do I think this? Why do I have this relationship? So starting there. So start with awareness around it. But the other thing that's really interesting is there's something called an emotional eating cycle. And it's a the cleanprogram.com has it posted and it's really brilliant. The first one is the trigger. It's like something is triggering me eating right now. Is mm-hmm. it that I'm bored? Is it that I'm sad? Is there emotion behind it? You know, what is it? And then from there, it goes to false bliss, which I really love. What false, is false bliss. Is that like how I feel when I eat Cool Ranch Doritos? <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it's filling a need for you and yeah. it's, it's a false happiness. It's like, okay, I'm going to eat this to cover up whatever emotion. So if I'm bored, I'm eating, it's covering up the boredom. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm sad or depressed, it's covering that up. It's a false bliss. But as soon as that bliss goes away, the third part of the cycle is what they call a hangover, which is really, I know (laughs) I love it too, like a food hangover. (laughs) No, it's like a pain because like your stomach hurts, you don't feel well, you get a headache, you're like, oh, why did I eat that, right? And then the or just eat to oblivion, you know. Like there's sometimes yeah. when, you know, if it's like a buffet or a party or something, and you're just 
over there by the chips. I'm speaking for a friend, of course, but uh-huh. like you just don't move <laughs> and just stop keep eating. eating the Doritos and you regret it. Yeah, yeah, you regret it. And then and then there's that the hangover is also about the emotional pain. That's where you start shaming yourself. You mm. feel guilt. It's like, why did I do that? Why? You know, what am I? You know, what am I weak? What's wrong with me? And you start that, and then that goes around to the trigger again. Trigger to false bliss to hang. So it just has this cycle. But how is that cycle different from actual hunger and needing for nourishment? Like, what does a healthy cycle look like? A healthy cycle would be where your body is triggering a, a need to eat. You know, when you really truly feel hungry, that's when you want to pay attention to that and then say, okay, what do I want to, the behavior would be, let me eat something that satisfies that hunger, but in a healthy way, in a good nourishing way. And the other part of that is to be very aware. This is where mindfulness comes in. Mm -hmm. You have to be very mindful about eating. We are mindless eaters. We are mindless. We are not with our food. We don't have a connection or relationship with our food. We're just stuck in a cycle of false bliss and hangovers. And to get out of that is really to feel, you know, say, I have a healthy trigger happening where I know I'm hungry. It is time for me to eat and I will I will eat something, be very mindful about what I'm eating. And I'm not saying what you have to eat. I'm not telling you to eat the Doritos or not eat the Doritos. I'm just saying have a healthy mindset around what it is you're taking in and knowing that that's what you need at that moment. And then not have that hangover afterwards, not have that guilt, be like, you know, I appreciate the fact that I took the time for myself. I was with myself, with my food, mm. in my relationship. It's almost like Feel a good. reframe, like a positive yeah. reframe. Positive reframe. But I'm I'm wondering about nature versus nurture. And I think a lot about this, that the world is not really organized enough where convenience trumps any kind of health, right? So if you're on the highway, you're traveling, whatever, and there is a McDonald's and you're starving and you got to stop and and you just pig out and it's it's a lot more work to eat consciously to eat healthy because the world is not organized to make it very easy to do so it's very easy to have some convenient options off the side of a highway or even you know where your brain gets addicted to that so tell me your thoughts on that well i don't think it takes any more effort to be mindful than it is to be mindless and it doesn't cost you anything. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just being really present with your decisions, yeah. you know, and saying, okay, I'm making this decision and it's the right one for me at this moment, whether it's because you're traveling and it's just a matter of convenience, but it's accepting it. It's accepting it and saying, this is what I need right now. I know that I'm hungry. I'm not just eating mindlessly. I know that I'm hungry. I'm mindful about it. This is the relationship I need with this food right now. I will take it in and I will not shame myself for it. I will not feel guilt for it. And it's breaking yourself out of that cycle of emotional eat, that negative emotional eating cycle. That's huge. It's how, huge. How do you feel about diets? So there are a lot of keto diets. There are a lot of fad diets. There's intermittent fasting. There's all kinds of, there, there's even the beach body diet. Yeah. And then what's the one that South Beach diet has like been revamped? There's a Mediterranean diet. Yes, there's, there's the, so many. So many. What are your thoughts around the psychology of the diet, because I think the diet itself has inherent shame in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's almost built to help you fail because if you don't follow these rules, then you're going to not do well. And then you're going to shame yourself and feel guilty and, oh, Mm -hmm. why couldn't I have done this? I must be weak. And so I, you know, I, I don't have anything against diets. I think people need to find what's the right thing for them to eat. 
But underneath dieting, underneath the scale that you want to stand on every day is the emotion you have to address, is the problem that is there, whether it's in the finances, the relationship, something else is going on. That's what you have to pay attention to and not necessarily, you know, did I eat the things that are in that diet today? The diet's just there are some guidelines for people and you just have to find the one that works for you. Everybody's body is different and the way that we're made reacts differently to different food. My husband loves to eat meat and he would do great on a caveman diet. I would do horribly <laughs> on it. You're you plant know, based. I'm plant-based. I know I cannot eat that. So everybody's body is different. So I say to people, don't focus so much on the scale and don't focus so much on the diet. Find what is right for you and know what it is that's underneath that that's causing the, the eating. That seems like adding a layer of grace that we don't often allow ourselves to do. And I'm wondering from your perspective, going through this certification and really understanding the under, underpinnings of emotional eating, how do you support people? in this capacity. You have so many freaking certificates. You have so many ways <laughs> you can help me. <laughs> I do. I, just, I think my passion, I'm, I think the path that I am on is to really help people live a full life. And I want to help a company, and, when I've, and I've been doing this for a long time now, helping my company really engage their workers and have more engagement with the workplace by focusing on the whole person. Mm. When we show up to work, we just don't show up with our hands. We show up with everything else that comes with this body. You know, our mental state, our emotional state, our physical state, our spiritual state, all of that. So I really believe that helping a person understand the root of what makes them happy is what's going to get them the best life possible. Do you think that have you found in your travels that people don't feel like they have the deserve level to be happy? Do you feel like Americans are conditioned in a way that happiness and that having that fully integrated life is not realistic? Yeah, I think we're conditioned to always be stuck in the past or fixated on the future. And we don't live or exist in the moment. And I think there's some wonderful teaching in the mindfulness and meditation practice around just getting more present with yourself and creating space right here, right now where you are. And to do that takes a great deal of gratitude, you know, gratitude for everything that I've gone through in my life, all the experiences that I've had, all the deaths that I've had, all of the, you know, the people that have died in my life. All of the, you have to, there's a certain level of just gratitude and acceptance, radical acceptance of who I am, loving the body that I have. You know, Allison, that I, you know, that I'm battling breast cancer. So it's taking that in and saying, this is the body that I have. I will radically love it and I want to be present with it and Jesus. accept it. And you yeah, must have then, done a lot of work because I know that you have <laughs> really carved out some time mm -hmm. to practice meditation mm -hmm. and intentionally do it. When somebody like you has negative zero time, you know what I mean? Like, it's not just you don't have zero time, like you have somehow figured out how to do that. But meditation has become more prominent in your life. Yes. Um, tell me about that experience. It has been 
really transformative for me, the mindfulness and meditation practice. And I read something not long ago that said, it's not that it's not important. It's just not a priority or something yes, like that. So that's right. I it, think I posted on, did you about post it on that? Instagram. <laughs> You're welcome, Maureen. <laughs> Maybe it was you that sent that beautiful thing out. But I sat there and thought, you know, this is a priority and I will make time for it. Just like making time to have have the right food that you want, or if you're going on a trip and you want to eat healthy, it's planning for that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so you're not caught off guard, but it's like, what is the priority? And for me, the priority is to be very present and have a lot of gratitude and joy and compassion and bring that in. And the more I'm able to do that, the greater and more full my life is. How do you do that though? How do you know that this is the path to go down when there's so much noise? I just know it. I know that it is. I think that this is, um, it feels really good to me. I feel like I'm healthier, happier, and full. I know I'm helping people. And that tells me I'm on the right path. So you've done a lot of career coaching. What have you seen as a common issue that you help address? I have done a lot of career coaching and people are stuck. And just like emotional eating, there's a cycle that's how it's so similar. Everything is so similar. All these things are connected. There are things around people's career where they are stuck, and it might be that they have a mental block, that they have an emotional block, that they have something else that they need to work through. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they have relationship things going on. There's pressures at home. There's always something else there that's creating the need for, I need to change my job. And so sometimes I spend uh, some time there with people exploring that these you you want to get in a healthy state no matter what. Just changing a job doesn't mean everything changes for you in the positive way. And it's really getting people to understand what is it that they truly want and that purpose that they want to drive towards. And all of these things are connected. You know, all of them are connected. When I was in my 20s, I took this seminar. Are you, are you familiar with Landmark Seminar, Landmark yes, Forum? Yes, Landmark Forum. Yes. yes. And so <laughs> they have, so after I took Landmark Forum when I was like 22 in New Jersey, and it was life changing to this day. There yes. are still lessons that I think about. They are who they are, and they are who they aren't, and love them as they are. You know, yes. like there are certain things, but they had offshoot seminars afterwards. And one of them I went to was on brain science. Hmm. And the woman who was instructing, she was from Belgium. So she had this cool French accent. So the way she said things, I remembered. And so that's one of the reasons why I love voices and accents, because people can remember how people say things. But she had talked about that the brain only repeats patterns that it knows, that it feels familiar. So that's why you change jobs and it's a different company, different same shit. Right. You know, different boss, same problems with it, you know, or different relationships and the same things keep showing up in a different form and that your brain just repeats patterns. And even, you know, if it's fight or flight, your brain goes into overdrive. So you're never present. And the only time that you are ever present is when you're creating. Hmm. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And I've, I've taken that since I was 29 and really, really thought about, okay, just keep creating. How can I create something out of nothing? And I think from a joy perspective, that's helped. But I wonder, 
if you would assume that might be correct in terms of repeating patterns. That's what this emotional eating cycle is. It's a pattern. Mm. It's a, And what you're talking about is also a pattern. It's the neuroscience of the brain. We get it, Our brains are, start to get programmed into a pattern. Something triggers, there's a behavior, there's a consequence of that behavior. It's a pattern that goes around and around. And it shows up in our lives in repeat relationships that are good or bad. It shows up in the career decisions that we have, good and bad. It shows up in what we're eating all the time, good and bad. Yo-yo dieting is all about, I'm trying this diet out, then I, you know, then I yo-yo off of it and then on it. It's, it's also just a, a cycle. shame spiral too. It's you a know? shame spiral. You know, the other thing that you said, which is very true, the creative side. Mm. So to get to the creativity side that that woman was speaking of is the mindfulness and meditation space that I'm speaking of. Mm. Then in order for you to open up that creativity, <laughs> you have to be able to, because creativity is on the right side of your brain. The left side of the brain is the the chatter, the logic motion, the monkey yeah. talking. You have to be able to quiet that. So if you want to create, you know, Allison, if you want to create more creativity space, then mindfulness meditation is going to help you with that. It takes five minutes, 10 minutes a day before you get into that creative activity or action you want to do. Just pull yourself into this, into your own head and create that moment of space. And then the creativity opens up. That's what she's also speaking of. Yeah. So I do something in the mornings, my morning routine, Mm. and it's helped a lot. And what I do before I look at any screen is I'll follow my breath for 10 breaths. That's about the extent of my meditation practice because I get so anxious (laughs) otherwise. And then I'll get up and I'll move for a few minutes. I'll just move my body and then I'll write in a journal. And I find that that simple before I look at any screen. And I find that that practice has really opened up a lot. Yes, And I find that people struggle with creativity and their own creativity. And I posted something on Facebook that if, if time and space or if time, money, and resources were not an issue, what new skill would you love to learn? And I posted it and I was surprised with how many people said singing, playing guitar, music, so many of them were creative things that they may have shoved down. And so I wonder, I personally think that there's no such thing as writer's block, that you're just afraid that it's going to be crap. But if you just write, even if it's garbage, just get something down on the paper, some good stuff falls out <laughs> just, yeah. just by default. And I wonder how much of that deserve level or the need for perfectionism is wrapped up in the emotional side of eating, of deserve level, of all of the interconnectedness you're talking about. Well, I think there's also this desire that we have to control everything. Yes. And that's also that on the left That was kind of the brain. diet too. Yes. That's the diet as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just this thing about control. You know, the, the other thing about the emotional eating, which I found really interesting as I went through the the coursework is... You know, oftentimes we associate emotional eating with people that are heavy or, Mm -hmm. you know, overweight or obese or have health issues or, but that's actually not the case. We all have it, skinny, thin, whatever. There are a lot of people that have restrictive eating, you know, they're restrictive eaters and that isn't healthy either. So all walks of life have this situation and there's a sense that we have around control. 
controlling this, controlling that, controlling what we eat, controlling how we do this, controlling our emotions, controlling our ability to be creative that then hinders that mm. ability. So I think there's something there about just letting it go. I like Girl, that you, that's powerful. I like that you start moving around a little bit in your morning <laughs> routine. <laughs> This dance class that yes. <laughs> I keep talking about. Yes. I have this theory. So the dance class is basically, it's called Rebel Groove. And it is not just a dance class. It's like a whole movement. It's a whole thing. It's like the the amount of pure release and joy. And one thing I was thinking about, because I sit around and think about dumb stuff all the time, when I should probably think about solving world problems. But they it's kind of like fly girl dancing. It's really fun. And Jayla kind would of, be so proud of you. She would. And we dance to <laughs> JLo all the time. But so much of it is like with your arms of just keeping, you know, your arm, like you, you have license to move your arms up and out and like, like you're embracing the earth kind mm. of thing. And I find that to be so addictive, that simple move of just opening your arms wide and being able to move and allow your body to move how you need it to, I find is so freeing and so joyful. Well, this goes back to what I said before we started this podcast, which is the L, your letters that you're going to do. So little left letter. I have to kind of give some, okay. So I have a blog that is coming out. And by the time this comes out, it'll probably already be there, but a weekly blog called little left letters. So my podcast is called Little Left of Center. I love alliterations. Little Left Letter has three components. So the first one is listen, which most likely will be my podcast. Uh, The second one is uh, lesson learned. So listen, learn. And the last thing is one new thing to love. And so Maureen came in here with guns blazing and she's like, (laughs) I've got another idea for you. So please (laughs) let go. What could you let go of? And uh, part of that is the dance you're talking about, because you're just letting go. Yes. And it's freeing to let go, but we don't want to let go. We want to hold on to everything. And we want to hold on to emotional baggage. We want to hold on to, you know, negative. So we want to hold on to the past. Remember I said we're either stuck in the past, we're fixated on our future. And and part part of our process of finding ourselves is really sometimes to let go. And Mm -hmm. what will you let go of? I'm already watering up. (laughs) You're probably hitting a nerve. (laughs) Maybe you should come into my counseling (laughs) office someday. (laughs) You're sitting on my couch right now. I'll just lay out on it. How's this? (laughs) It's funny because we're, you know, we're in my husband's office and and downstairs in our, our basement, my little converted studio. And it's funny, some people are very like astute and they have their arms crossed and they're, you know, doing it. And some people take off their shoes, they put their feet up, they cross their legs, you know, and sit Indian, not Indian style, they sit crisscross applesauce. It's funny how people relax on the couch, even from these episodes. And I think you're right about the letting go side. I think especially as from my perspective, from your perspective, we're both moms, we're both people that that strive to be highly accomplished in a lot of ways, whether it is as a wife, as a mother, as an employee, or even an entrepreneur. And how do we make that mark in the world? And I find that there's so much wound up in the results when it's so much more of just letting go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even in the meditation mindfulness or even with eating, whatever you want to do, you're trying to bring something in. You need to let something out. You know, if you want to bring in compassion, you've got to let go of judgment. 
If you want to bring in reflection, you got to let go of criticism. You've got to be able to bring something in and let it go. And I just love that you have this. If you want to bring in creativity, you got to let something go. What I can I let go? Probably control. I don't know. You'd be mm, the best judge of that. Yeah, but whatever it's probably control. Criticism of what you're about to do and not feeling like it's good enough. I'm good with that. I think it's control. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can just we'll just peel you back, Allison. I've on kind here. of let go of the whole perfectionist <laughs> thing, but That's I just good. think you know, for people listening, you know, especially for those people that have a lot on their plate, and it's hard to consider the concept of letting go. When you feel like, and I felt even going back to eating that when I, oh yeah, that's right. We're here for eating. Yeah. Keep going. (laughs) But I think it's all interconnected, right? But I feel like when I was going through that season in my life where I was so deeply obsessed with my body, with preparing, you know, like weighing everything that I put in my mouth with food prepping on the weekends and being away from my family, just stressed out that I was going to like one donut away from blowing up and having that unbelievable control around this and working out and hiring trainers and nutritionists and all kinds of stuff where, you know, I was afraid to go out with my girlfriends because I didn't want to be tempted by the bread that was on the table. And it just, uh, it was an awful time. Yeah, It was an awful time to feel like I knew I felt like I was going crazy and I didn't know how to stop it and would try every specialist that I possibly could and therapist. And I did one tarot card reading And with Kelly Knight, who has also been on the podcast, she's just the most fascinating gal. And she had, I went in and this is like a couple years ago saying, you know, I really want help with my career. And it immediately pivoted to food, Mm. immediately. And, you know, interesting career and food, huh? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Did you just get that? Yeah. Yes. That's a connection. But it immediately pivoted to that. And my connection with some family members too, of, of kind of where it's rooted from. And I was like, holy God. And she asked me one question that unwound everything. And it kind of goes back to the letting go. And she said, what if you replaced all that time for food prepping for working out at five in the morning and lifting weights and the trainer and the the meal prep. What if you just replaced all of that with stuff that felt really good, like a walk on the belt line or or yoga class? And I remember like I could feel my chest tighten up of if I let go, all of this is going to be gone. All of it. And I think we do that with money too. Like if I don't, if I make this wrong move, then the whole house of cards is going to come down. How often do you encounter that? Yeah, it's and again, it goes back to control. Yeah, there's something about the rules that you have, the rules that people make in their lives around. I've got to do this. I have to do this. I have to get my body this way, or I have to have these trainers, or I have to eat this way. And you know, they just get so fixated on either something in the past or something in the future, and and then there's so much control. And my question is, how does that serve you? Mm-hmm. How does that serve you? How is that making you happy? Why are you doing it? Why, why, why? I started out this this podcast with that because it is always about why. Why do you do that? And how is that serving you? I think in my case, I would also ask my question that who gives a shit about my body? You know, like nobody cares. Yeah. And I ended up 
doing that and kind of unraveling just from that one question. And I did gain 10 pounds. I haven't taken it off, but I don't get on the scale anymore. And I don't have that same grip on food that I used to. I'm by no means perfect. And certainly, you know, you had sent something to me about boredom and the Mm -hmm. choices that you take around food. And I do that all the time. I'm a chronic snacker. But I also noticed something that you, we had talked about of eating only when you're hungry instead of when you're supposed to eat. Yes. So tell me more about that. We're really stuck on a clock. We pro again, our brains are programmed and it starts when we're in school. Think about, you know, class starts at this time. Snack time is at that time. Lunch is at that time. Snack in the afternoons at this time. Your parents come and pick you up. You have another snack at home. You have your dinner. Everything is around a clock. Nobody ever says, hey, are you hungry? What's your body telling you right now? Mm. Is now the right time for you to have your snack? You, you do that with your son? Yeah, I do. You do? I do. How does it work? Because my son gets, <laughs> my kids get so into playing that they never eat. And then yeah. they just snack, snack, snack. I mean, yeah. they do eat, but they, mealtime is a freaking mess. Yes. You know, like they can't <laughs> sit still. They don't want to eat. But then they're like, mommy, I want an apple. I want a cereal. I want, you know, yogurt. I want a treat. Yeah. I mean, so I'll, I mean, it's tough when they're really little, like Juliana is very little, but when they start to get a little bit older and they become more aware of themselves, and it's really helping them understand what is this emotion that you have? You're crying right now, but what is that? What's behind that? What made that happen? Mm-hmm. And what is, even though I see cr- your tears, are you actually angry or are you sad? Mm-hmm. Like helping them understand what they're feeling. And sometimes they are too busy playing to eat. And I'll just say to my son, all right, so it, you know it's kind of lunchtime. And I'm going to make this. So are you hungry? Are you, is your body telling you that you're hungry now? And he'll say, mm, in about 20 minutes. <laughs> and that tells me, and that tells me that he's hungry, but he wants to finish playing a few more minutes. Right. You know, so it is helping them understand that. And we don't have to eat around a clock. Yeah. You know, it's five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock. It's dinner time, but I'm not really feeling hungry. So I'm not going to eat. You know, I'm, I might have a shake or I'll do this or I'll do that. But I just, I won't eat. And How do we not screw up our kids around eating? Because I'm positive I'm doing it. I mean. Well, I tell you one thing. I think that we reward behaviors with food. And I'm guilty of it too. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But if something really great happens, we celebrate with a donut. If he does, if he has a really great day or great grades, we give him candy. Or, you know, there's just this thing around rewarding certain things with food, or we make food about certain things when it really shouldn't be about anything but eating for your body. Mm. And there is, ple- I mean, there should be pleasure. You should really enjoy it, but it it shouldn't just be, hey, let's celebrate. Here's cake or here's this or here's that. Or, well, no, it's noon. Let's come in here and eat. I, That's let's hard to do. Hungry. That's I know. so hard to do because schools are not organized <laughs> I know, that way. I know. Kind of blowing your mind on this one too, little, I can well, see. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how can I practically introduce this into Probably just our nighttime. lifestyle. Yeah, just night times and weekends, yeah. really. I mean, it's in vacations. We all know that if we haven't eaten something, especially if they're little, if they haven't eaten something in three or four hours, they are probably hungry. Yeah. But it is helping them just understand that. But how do you do... So I'm thinking of just the sheer chaos. You know, I live in a house of four people, four different circadian rhythms or whatever around food. (laughs) Like eating dinner is really important together. 
Um, eating dinner together is really important in our household. We don't always do it, but we try to. And usually we're just yelling at the kids the entire time. <laughs> but is it really the eating or is it just sitting together? So why, why it's not the food mm. that's bringing you together. Yeah. It's the, t- it's wanting to be together. So, you are so wise. I know, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> so just, you know, you can bring people together and say, yeah. Hey, if you're hungry, here's the food. Yeah. But also, Hey, we, we could play cards. We could be reading together. We just going to spend some time together. Yeah. Why not make it about that? Don't make it about the food. We're making it always about food and we get, we get stuck in the cycle sometimes around what that food really wow is. this is like culture changing yeah. Maureen oh Watley. wow I was when you <laughs> asked you're me on this cult- podcast I know I was like I don't know if I'm a culture changer but I'll yes, come and talk are. to you <laughs> yes you are I think even from the emotional eating part I think that most of us suffer from some type of of weird conditioning that kind of holds us in the grip so having you on this and something that I'm particularly interested in because I've you know struggled with it and I think even just wanting chocolate all the time and and all of that i know i'm not alone there and mm. i feel like having some kind of assistance or guidance around unraveling some of the conditioning that we've had mm-hmm. i'm curious as to what does what does working with you on this subject look like well there's probably a lot of crying no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> well it is you know like so a much of it is of, unraveling a lot of digging deep yes mm-hmm. a lot of digging deep and and be and just being very honest you know being very honest with yourself and oftentimes you know i'm asking tough questions and most of the time people don't like giving you know the deepest answer so it does take some time to unravel it but it is a journey you know it's a journey of self discovery of understanding why I'm doing the things that I'm doing, you know, why a person makes the choices that they make and how to change that, you know, how to break out of a cycle. That's the most important thing. How do I disrupt my brain? How do I disrupt this pattern and do it in a healthy way and do it in a way that's sustainable so that I can move past it? And oh, by the way, this is impacting my career. I see a correlation here or I see something else. You know, this is, I'm seeing a correlation in my marriage. And in the way, you know, we're treating each other mm-hmm. or my finances are neglected. There's something there too. So it's it's really just helping people understand these, connecting these dots yeah. and how to approach their life in a better way. So it's disrupting patterns. It's understanding why, disrupting patterns and finding a new way forward. That's what coaching is. I'm curious as to your own journey, because I remember watching you crush some burgers from crystals like two in the morning after a <laughs> that night would not at the have bar. Been, that would not have been me. It would have probably been chicken. Chicken. Right. Because so, I haven't eaten meat since I was 17. But, Is that right? Yeah, 30 oh, years. I didn't realize that. Yeah. But I'm wondering as you as your own evolution, how has it changed and how do you feel? Well, you know, I think like you, I always struggled with body image. And when I was younger, 16, 17, 18, I was started in this modeling career and I just remember being told I would, I had, my, I don't know if this is okay to say in a podcast, but my butt was too big. And it's if, very okay. I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> you want to drop some F bombs, go big. for it. And I, and I mean, I think back at what I weighed then. I'm, I'm 15 pounds heavier now. So I was thin as can be. And they wanted me to lose five pounds only in one area, my butt. And I was thinking, <laughs> how am I going to do that? And as a 16 year old, the impact of that, that body shaming, or criticism, it really carried with me. 
you know, through my life. So I've always been ferocious about working out and going to the gym and having trainers and watching what I eat and restrict myself, restrict myself, restrict, and, and always on a scale every day, morning, night, morning, night, morning. And I would just watch it all these years. I've done that. Is that right? Yes. And so I when? Until I took this class this last year. Wow. And I have stopped standing on my scale because that is what control is. It is it that I'm disrupting a pattern. I don't want that control anymore. And I don't want my life to be stuck on a scale. I want it to be in my life, kind of like how you were told to let go of some of those mm-hmm. things. So it's like, what do you want to let go of that you're holding on to? How is that serving you? So it's just that disruption. So I think my my journey in that, but also, you know, in trying to be having Dylan or having children at an older age is tough. Had no idea how hard that was going to be. And I've had 10 babies, but only one has made it. So I've had Mm. lots of losses. But in that, I did IVF and it's just, it really messes with your body. And again, it's going back to the body and feeling like just bloated and not happy and just so much inflammation. And my face was breaking out like crazy. And I was going to see doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. I was on these drugs and these creams and these lotions and this. And Things would work for a while and go right back. And my body was just, my gut was unhappy. I was like, I got to get off this cycle. Like, I got to get off this crazy train. And I just remember seeing the dermatologist and said, please, you've got to give me something that's going to make this stop. And she said something so mind-blowing to me. She said, well, these things kind of stick in your gut for a while. And I thought, wait a minute, you mean all of this is in my gut? I had no idea. And so it took me down this road of learning more about my gut and how the microbiome and and then it led me to the health certifications and then just realizing all of these things I fixated all this time on my outer body, you know, mm-hmm. my butt needed to be five pounds lighter and all of this fixate. This is not what makes me happy. And I hear a lot from people that I coach, they say, you know, I'll be happier when. Mm-hmm. I'll be happier when I lose that 10 pounds, or I'll just be happier if I lost that 50 pounds, or I'll be happier if I get that job. I'll be happier when I'll get happier when, again, we're fixated on the future. Why not be happy now? You know, why not find that space and that creative space or that happy space here in the here and now? And so that's, I think that's the process I'm walking people through when I do the coaching. And on my own journey. So amazing, Maureen. You have gone through so much in your life. So much. So much. And it's amazing when you look back and then you start to put it all together. Like Maureen, just just for the audience listening, Maureen is is one of those people that you could throw a boulder at her and she'd figure out how to get it out of her way, you know, like (laughs) on her. And she just is unbelievably strong. And so I acknowledge you publicly for your strength and and your ability to kind of see the full picture and be able to attack it. And I know from your perspective, you, you get the most fulfillment from how can you help? How can you impact somebody else despite all of the stuff that you have gone through? Mm. And somebody gave me a great thing on my wall and it says something like, um, the path that I am on is the path that will help others. And yeah, it's just really touching. So that's what I think about. I, When I talk about gratitude, I mean, I really do take in gratitude of everything that's happened because that is the sum of my past and it is how I help other people. So, yeah. So what is next for you? I think I'm doing enough, Allison. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, right now, right now, I'm really excited because I'm taking a, a mindfulness certification. So you know, I like to keep my certifications going. <laughs> I just find that to be. I find that the happiness we seek in our life is in our head, and if I can help people really get at that better. What do you mean by that? I would think that is counterintuitive. Like I would think the happiness we would have is in our hearts, not in our head. Tell me more. Well, so all emotions go through your head. You remember earlier we were talking about the fight or flight that's called the amygdala hijack. And it's just Mm -hmm. something that happens in your brain. I mean, all emotions flow through the brain. All emotions go through your body into your brain before logic hits. Emotions are that Mm -hmm. powerful. So happiness is something that is it is something that we think about that we can create and it's in here. You know, it's all in here. So I think uh, that's the road I'm on this year. We'll see where that leads to a podcast for you <laughs> at the end. Of- <laughs> I'll just keep having culture changing iterations with you, depending on what certification yeah. you get next. Yeah, I think it's all it's all just an, an additional part of my puzzle, you know, mm-hmm. of my puzzle that I want to give to help people have... Um, to live a, a, the, the best life that they can. What is your mission? What would you say your mission is? So the mission I'm on is, is a better life. Be better at life. So that's my, I guess, my passion. I guess it's like optimizing yourself, mind, body, soul. Yes, it is know? that mind, heart, body, yeah, soul, spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. And then how can people contribute to your mission? Well, right now... Unless somebody wants to pay for my certification. No. <laughs> right now, I, I work a lot with my friends, my friends and family and their family members and friends. So I have a good network of people that I'm working with. And I would say that if people would look more deeply into their own energy into this world, everybody has energy. You have energy all around you. We talk a lot about things that have energy. Mm-hmm. We all have energy. If everyone just focused on their energy and turned it into a positive situation, the whole world would be better. Mm -hmm. The whole connection and relationships we have in this world would be better. And if people wanted to know more about that, I think we could give them your your cell phone number. They could text you and get in touch with me. That's right. Well, no, no, no. I'll I'll link I'll link your information in the show notes. Thank you so much, Maureen. It was such a pleasure to have you on. And I think I learned so much. (laughs) Thanks for recording one of our conversations. This happens all the time too. Even listening back to that episode, I was taking notes and reminded of how entangled I am with my own relationship to food and how to untangle it to have a much more free and healthy experience. I hope you got as much value as I did from this, and I hope you connect with Maureen. I've listed everything in the show notes so you can reach out to her directly. I hope you'll pass this along to your friends. And if you'd like some more thought-provoking topics to consider and stay connected with me, please subscribe to my blog, Sticky Notes, at allisonhair.com and connect with me on the socials. Let me know your thoughts on this episode and what topics are on your mind. I might just get the right expert on to address it in the future. Culture Changers podcast is only available on BYLR radio. So tell all your friends. I hope you're enjoying it. And you can also comment in the live chat below. Culture changing is really a movement, but only works when the ideas are shared. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week.